Welcome to the Midwest Game Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, John. Here with me today is Alex. Hello. And fellow Westworld FM alum, Nick. Hey, everybody. Today, we're going to talk about Cocoon, starring the late greats Don Amici and Wilford Brimley. <laughs> Just kidding. I wish. Cocoon. <laughs> I'm prepared. <laughs> by Geometric Interactive and uh, published by Annapurna Interactive and some other stuff. But before we get to all of that, you can find all the places you can listen to the show. Check out MidwestGameNerds.com slash links. The Midwest Podcast Network has a Patreon. The Patreon supports all the shows on our network. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month and help keep our shows alive and well. Check it out at mpn.bz slash Patreon. Thanks again to Jason K, Tom Z, David O, Corey Z for the contributions. One of the perks to join the Patreon is to get early access to our bonus episodes that we call Side Quests. Side Quests are where we veer off outside the realm of video games into food, beverages, movies, TV, and more. Join our Patreon to get those episodes a week early. You can also get some tiny terrors. And uh, what's the other one, Nick, uh, or that Tim calls them? Uh, the honor roll. Honor there roll. Haven't, there haven't been roll. any yeah. recent honor rolls, but there are plenty in the backlog. Plenty of tiny terrors, too, yeah. Yes. So be sure to check that out. The horror movie your book guys talked about The Crow, and it made me go watch The Crow again. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's it's so good. The movie's so good. They also talked about Flesh Eater in their most recent episode, and they will be talking about... Um, uh, Murder Party, the first film by Jeremy Saulnier of Green Room and Blue Ruin fame. Oh. So please give that a listen when it hits your podcatcher uh, probably later this week or next week. Are they going to talk about House of Usher? Probably not. Not not so immediately. Can we talk about House of Usher when I finish it? Yes. Yes, we can. <laughs> How far are you? Uh, I'm three episodes in. I finished three episodes. Nice. I'm cool. That so. can totally be the next side quest. I assume you would. You would. Uh, you'll yeah, have I'm going to try. I'll binge the rest of the show in the next 48 hours, probably, because I can't like even though it terrifies me, I have to watch it. And even though it's like the middle of the night and I'm by myself in the living room because Megan fell asleep. Uh, it's I can't. The the cinematic Flanagan universe or whatever it is is just I love it's everything about the, it. It's off the chain, isn't it? He, he's something else, man. I like I it, just everybody he casts and the roles he puts them in and the stories that he builds and the universes that he builds are just too good, man. That first episode was just next level. I could talk about the first three episodes for a while, probably. So we won't get into that now. But. <laughs> Just wait. Just oh, wait. Yeah. I, oh, I yeah. can't wait. I, I, I'm so anxious to keep watching it, but I have so much work to do. So, yeah, um, definitely yeah. don't uh, don't. Uh, I know you know this, but don't put it on in the background as like a background. No, show no, I have to. Like it, it deserves attention. Even like the second episode, the, the, like when he's, when he's talking, we, I we don't even need to get into this, but I'm going to do it anyways. When he's talking, uh, when Roderick's talking to the, the DA or whatever, uh, the US DOJ attorney. or whatever that, yeah, he's talking to the U S attorney and in the background you see Prospero. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm like, Oh God, like this is, He's doing it yeah, again. It He's was doing that, the Hill House shit. It was that little touch of Hill House that I appreciated because I, you know, his other shows have certainly had creepy things, but Hill House yeah, is when, like when he's, ghosts. When he's sitting just... in the chair and, and you see him kind of squirm and then the next cut is like real close up and you see the hands on his shoulders. I'm like, oh, fuck yes. And I'm getting like goosebumps from it. I'm like, 
nobody does this like this guy. Like nobody mm. makes me squeamish and feel weird and uncomfortable, but so intrigued as much as Flanagan does. So if anything, this is just a nice we're we're just fluffing up Hill House for every or not Hill House, uh Usher and Hill House for that matter. Like watch all the Flanagan universe stuff. Yes. It's just too good. It's true. It makes me I need to go and watch his movies because I've never watched any of his movies. I've only oh, yeah. watched his shows. So we went I've back. seen I think three of his movies. Maybe yeah. maybe four. I think we went back when we were particularly missing I think there was a bit of a delay between um <clears throat> midnight mass and like midnight club or something i don't know but there was one point where we were like let's just go watch one of his movies and we watched um hush and oh hush is I was, so good i was it's so good it's incredibly good and hush so, is awesome dr sleep is great gerald's game is great i think those are the three that i've seen yeah i, I would like to I watch check now. Almost. was he oculus as well was that i Flanagan? think that was the one yeah i think so Flanaganiverse, but excuse me. Anyway, we will talk. Oh, he directed the Ouija movie. Oh, that's uh, right. The prequel. It's, a, it's the second one, right? Yeah. Yes. It's o- the origin, of evil. origin of Evil. Yeah. Yes, it's on Netflix. <laughs> I'll watch that one. Oculus. He did do Oculus and, and Oculus Chapter Three. Apparently, he'll come know back. There were more oculi. You know, pretty much all of his movies are streaming somewhere. So. Because he's smart. Oculus 3 is actually just a commercial for the Oculus Rift. Is it? (laughs) But, uh, yeah. To bring it back to video games. Super talented guy. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Very very interesting person. He's like a cool follow on social media. He seems like a real kind of uh, artist's artist, but also like a humanitarian. Yeah. Seems to really genuinely want um, the best in life for his people which is probably a big reason that they all return to work with him time and time again. He's just like Wes Anderson of horror. He just keeps scooping up. Yeah. His, that's, his, that's his a game. hell of a title. The Wes Anderson of horror. <laughs> yeah. That's the, I mean, the thing yeah. is, is like anytime one of his shows, like the cast gets announced for his show, it's like fucking smash brothers. Cause I'm like, Oh man. Oh, he's bringing in Carl Lumley. Yeah. This is amazing. <laughs> like every time there's another actor that gets added in, I'm like, I'm ready for Mike Flanagan to, use this person in ways that they never imagined and uh it's when you guys do that side quest let me know i'd love to jump in sure. on that one absolutely uh it, because uh he is the only th- that is the only series of shows i think and that let alone horror things that my wife is actively like oh there's a new one let's yes. watch it like yeah loves it nicole loves too it. nicole as well she's not normally a horror <laughs> fan and uh and, you know, I think Hill House hooked her midnight. Like, I don't even know. She she said that Midnight Mass was her favorite of his. And that shocks me simply due to the subject matter, because in general, with a lot of fantastical elements, let's say, that's mm-hmm. that tends to be her first ramp off of something. So uh, I think it was done skillfully enough in Midnight Mass that she was like, OK, all right, mm-hmm. I'll take it. But, well, if the uh, writing's good, you'll buy in. I think most people would buy into a lot of stuff that they're not normally buying into. Yes, yes. I think that was an episode of our show, On Again, Flanagan. I don't know. <laughs> Let's see if that... Don't Nobody buy that domain. 
Uh, all right, let's uh, let's see if I pick the right button. What are you playing on your Xbox or on your PlayStation or on your Nintendo Switch? What you been playing? I did it. John, nice. John, how's Marvel Snap? <laughs> it's just... <laughs> you guys. Listen, <laughs> all I need from that game is for them to quit pairing me up with the same exact archetype of a deck. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like, I'll forgive all of the other bullshit. If, if I can just stop playing against people who are using literally, like, the same cards I am, that shit drives me insane. The matchmaking is so weird in that game. I don't get it. it. I don't. Yeah, I don't. It, I, it doesn't like, make any sense. Unless I completely change my deck, I only ever see the exact same type of people. So yeah. it's, it's very weird. But let's not. Beyond that, I mean, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, the, the Midnight Suns collection that they put out, those cards look awesome. It was the first time they put out cards that I actually wanted to spend real money on, but I, I didn't. I still haven't, but I wanted to. Hmm. Uh, but I did do the all of the challenges, or got all got all enough um, uh, en- enough of the crowns in the order to stuff to get the to, Iron Man to get variant. the Iron Man special. Yeah, yeah. So that was cool. Uh, the Human Torch variant they just gave everybody for the one year anniversary was also is so badass. Yeah. But the sh- the Shang Chi one that they that they that nobody's getting now. Like I hope it goes into the ether for us to get like randomly because that that one's awesome. Did the what just, one was it the Ghost Rider? It was no, it was uh, it was the Shang Chi. Like it looked like an old like manga, like Ran- yeah. Ranma, like half manga. Wasn't one. that a oh? Was the Human Torch one of the three that could be picked? Yes. Okay. But it was it was a uh, it was like a audience choice, like yeah. People's Choice Award kind of thing. That whichever one wins, everybody gets yada yada. The like, Ghost Rider one was pretty slick too, with like the FBI badge. Yeah, that, that was cool. But like really, that. in all honesty, like just stop pairing me up with people using my same archetype or some variant of it. If if somebody's got 60% of the cards that I have in my deck in their deck, I don't want it. I don't yeah. want to play them. And then uh yeah, get rid of the pixel variants. I, nobody wants them. Yeah. Nobody wants a pixel variant ever. They're all stupid. They look terrible. Um and nobody <laughs> uses them. They're just bad. Yeah. My, um, my like my uncommon cards is just a graveyard of fucking Dan Hip variants and pixel variants because I just don't like either of them. <laughs> Which one's Dan Hip? I don't remember. They're, he's the very they're like, like the, chibi cartoony. Really cartoony. Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. Mr. Fantastic chibi. one was good. I remember that. Mm. I like. It's that not one. even like chibi though. It's not like anime. It's like uh, it's like a Saturday morning cartoon from the 1930s that's colorized kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, like, it's kind of almost kind of Pixar-y. Yeah. Yeah, but not in a good way, really. I'm just yeah. not. I'm like the like it. the style's cool, but the actual like composition is never yeah. particularly thrilling. Yeah, yeah. coloring's cool. No, uh, like, Max Max Greca Gre- Greca, whatever yeah. his name is. I love those. The, you know, it, it's a it, it almost has like a tattoo style to it. Like the colorings and shadings. Yeah. It, it reminds me of tattoo art. But that's not like a negative thing. Like that's a that's cool. Like I like that part of those cards. But I just I'm not a fan of the of the of the actual style. Of the drawing the of the characters. Yeah, and the line work, so to speak. There are yeah, so many of those cards that I would I would collect in real life if I could. Yeah. Oh, They're for so sure. Cool. 
or like even get posters of or whatever to hang up in your room because like cause that's <laughs> that Cyclops card, that Cyclops variant. That's just like I, it's so badass. I don't even remember. Everywhere. Yeah, which one's it's, that? It's, uh, it's, it's I'll pull it up. Yeah, it's it's too good. That one's really good. There's a lot. There are a lot of really good variants. Uh, the blade variant that's that's up for grabs in the season pass is pretty cool too. Um, you will find yeah, yourselves uh, trying to go out of your way to collect variants of characters that you really love. Like John, are you really drawn to like grabbing all the blade ones you can because you love blade? No, not necessarily. I like. I, I kind of gave up on collecting variants because I feel like it only ever gives me the pixel ones whenever I get one in like a, a, a collector's reserve or whatever. So I just don't care about those other than when, when I'm playing conquest mode and they put the variant up that if you buy enough stuff with crowns, you get the, the conquest variant. Like I oh, like that. that. Is cool. Yeah. I have that Cyclops. That's the, that's the best Cyclops for sure. Yeah. This is the Alexander Lozano variant of Cyclops. Uh, Nick, I do have many Iron Men and Gambits to answer yeah. your question, and I, I'm my life. <laughs> they're all my my darlings. But it's I sad because the, the only Iron Man I ever got was the, I think the Dan Hip one actually. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I don't actually use Iron Man or Gambit all that much, but I I like them oh, and man. I like the art on some of them so much that I can't not. Yeah, them. but it's such an annoying card to play against. You yeah. should probably use it more. Well, they nerfed him the, because you actually have to have cards in your hand to use them now. It was way better when, like, uh, you didn't, like, if you had no cards in your hand but you put them down, you wouldn't have to discard anything to kill anything. And that was so satisfying of, like, my hand's empty, but I'm going to put Gambit down and just destroy mm-hmm. something of yours with nothing of mine. Beautiful. Beautiful time. Yeah, I, um, I was there before, before the. Before the before the, nerf. <laughs> the old the old times, I've been like I've been using a lot of um, I have my draw deck, which is like a Devil Dino deck essentially. I've been using that. It's Devil Dino and Collector, and I tie it in with Loki because the Loki card just if you draw a Collector, you're going to end up using Loki. If you don't draw mm-hmm. a Collector and you have Devil Dino, then you're probably not going to use Loki because you need to drop Devil Dino first. And then maybe like using Loki afterward Devil Dino doesn't really make sense in all honesty. But what does Loki do? He he basically converts all of the cards in your hand to cards from the opponent's original deck, including stuff that could be already on the board. Um, and it subtracts one energy from each of them, so they're easier for you to cast. So, so, so you can so you could spam a bunch. You could throw a bunch of them down. Yeah. So like you could basically, basically what it does is it's almost the same as ha- is drawing that one location that flips it. So you're drawing from the opponent's deck, but you still get to draw from your own deck and then you're using the opponent's own cards against them. So and oftentimes it-, it comes in really handy when you're playing, when I'm playing against somebody who's using a devil dino deck of some sort or collector deck. And then I draw those same cards, but they all get minus one energy or my, yeah, minus minus one energy, and then I can cast them sooner and cast more of them at once. But if you do it and you have collector on on the board already, every single one of those cards that gets flipped to the opponent's card counts towards collector's plus one. That's so you, cool. if you've got four or five cards in your hand and you drop Loki and you have collector out, you are you get a plus five collector right off the bat. And Loki himself is is a five power card, so pretty powerful. He's going to get nerfed, and that'll be kind of sad, but 
he's a he's a fun card to play. He's definitely aggravating, like playing against him too. If if you're playing against the the wrong person, but um, and the other deck when I when I find myself playing against people who are only playing Devil Dino Devil Dino bleh, Devil Dino or collector decks, uh, I will flip over to my uh, what I call Lockdown High, which is basically uh, it's like a Storm Professor X deck with high evolution mixed in and so basically lane locking things from people but then still being able to destroy them when i drop hulk on turn six or seven depending on if the other person plays magic if the other person plays magic with that deck you almost certainly can win like no questions asked so you just got to watch that last panel if they know you're going to drop a hulk you got to be careful where you put them because you don't want them to put down shang chi and take them out so yeah but that's yeah. I could talk about Marvel Snap for way too long. It's I can't. I have to play it every day. I play it like basically like when I get home from work until I until I have something else to do or if Megan tells me to do the dishes or whatever. I'm playing Marvel Snap and she hates it. She hates it so much. She, like it is the bane of her existence. I think is Marvel Snap. So yeah, I remember you're just you're making me a little bit nostalgic for it. Um. Because you're talking about the Devil Dino deck, and I used to run into tons of Devil Dino, and I always found it really annoying to play against because it was it would start to be really telegraphed that that's what people were doing, yeah. and I, and I would not be set up for it, and I'd be like, ah. So I started playing a deck with Sentinel, or no, not Sentinel, uh, Master Mold and mm-hmm. Ronin, and like other lockdowny type people. Yeah. And so I would just make their hand. Oh, wait. And what, what's another one that there was another one that fills their hand with something stupid. Um, well, I, never, uh, I never got rock slide, but I wanted that one. Was it Baron something or whatever? Baron Mordo. Baron Mordo he he yeah. makes them draw a card and makes it six energy or whatever, no matter what it is. No, there's there a few another, of them. There was another one of those. But anyway, I would. Yeah, I would try to put a bunch of crap in their hand and then make it so they couldn't play as many cards. And I would always just lob a Ronin out there at the end and just get a hoss of a Ronin, uh, usually in a lane that had Cosmo. And yeah, just clog their hand and clog the yeah. lanes up and just work, work their own strategy against them. And they would they would have a kind of a big brain double dino at the end thinking, well, I have all these cards. And then I'd sort of just have Ronin to either take another lane or basically cancel out their double dino. And uh, that was always kind of fun. Yeah. My Zola Dino deck was was great. Oh yeah, but not... <laughs> Zola was a card that I I had some moderate success. Yeah. Oh, what was fun was I would if I could get a Ronin and then Taskmaster five six. That was always kind of fun. I mm-hmm. loved Taskmaster. Mm-hmm. There's because ta- I Taskmaster is up there right now still with <clears throat> fucking uh like a Shuri. And oh, Red yeah. Skull and and Taskmaster. Yeah, Sh- Shuri Red Skull Taskmaster deck. Fuck. I did have deck. Shuri. I never got Red Skull. Or yeah, uh, I or used Black to try. To find... If you you uh, you Wong Shuri Red Skull Taskmaster, and then it's just like, well, why even bother playing at that <laughs> point? Like, I definitely started getting more into that because I mean, I love Taskmaster. He's one of my favorite Marvel characters in general from the books, but I got the Luchador variant of it, and I mm. thought it was the funniest card, so I just loved <laughs> playing it, because it was the most over-the-top art, and it was just fun on turn six to throw out this annoying-looking Taskmaster. <laughs> <laughs> like a fucking uh, yeah. Chibi Galactus. Yeah. 
I never got Galactus. I stopped. Uh, I stopped short of that. Yeah, I don't. I never fell too victim to any of the really hot metas, other than I hate move decks. But I started getting really good at playing against them, and uh, I loved using Magneto. I used to make so much fun of Magneto players because they never seemed to do it right. Then I got Magneto, and I was just crushing it. My win rate <laughs> with Magneto was crazy good, and I just think people would just lob it out there without thinking about what they were doing. Same with Doc Ock. If you use Doc Ock right, it's awesome. But yeah, um, I mean you you use if you use Magneto with a with a kingpin like mm-hmm. on turn six or yeah. whatever, like you're just you're wrecking shit there, man. Like that's that's the kind of shit that would make me want to quit playing for sure. I would I use just, Magneto a lot on a lane that was either already full or mostly full. Yeah. Or I would use it to basically pull shit away into a lane that I knew I was going to lose anyway and take things away. Yeah. Um, that was always fun. Yeah. I think people just never did the math right with Magneto. I don't know why. Yeah, He's, he's actually usually for me was best at just pulling valuable things away from where they're winning lanes and just sacrifice that lane. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was fun or have Craven waiting in that lane by himself and then throw Magneto down and pull a bunch of dudes over and beef, beef, beef up, up Craven. Craven. Yeah. Beef up Craven is a good name. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> that's the name of our Marvel Snap Cut. I can't wait for that Craven movie. I am. I will be there for that. It's going to be so funny. I don't so think I've funny. watched that trailer yet, even though I don't care. Like, that's one oh, that I will watch because I'm like, I could not care less about this movie. I am confident that I will enjoy it more than Morbius, and we saw Morbius in the theater, so we'll have to go for Craven. For oh yeah, sure. we got to complete the Sony uh, Spider <laughs> Sony Spider Universe. Yeah. Well, speaking of Spider Man, now that nobody's listening, we'll get to the big games uh, that I'll step through pretty quickly before we we get to next stuff. Uh, Spider Man Two was released on Friday. This is the sequel to Marvel's Spider Man which came out for PlayStation 4, and then Spider-Man Miles Morales, which was a PlayStation 5 launch title. It's it's a lot more of that, you know? It's more Spider-Man, and that's a good thing, because Spider-Man and Spider-Man Miles Morales were great. And uh, I think a lot of people could see that as a pejorative, but I think think it's all good to me so far. Um, I think those first two games had such great deft storytelling in ways that Spider-Man feels a little bit rote because we've seen him so much. I think the game stood out as one of the great Spider-Man stories. And so I'm curious to see if they can live up to that with Venom and Craven in the mix for those who have seen the, the marketing for, for the game. Um, Still very early on, maybe 90 minutes in. What I will say is it's cool that you're basically able to switch back and forth between Peter and Miles uh, whenever you want. And you can kind of like take on the same sets of side missions, but they also have their own like story missions, which is cool. Um, And the fact that sometimes you will go and like say like a random event pops up where you got to take down some criminals and you're playing as Peter and then you jump down there and you start beating people up and then all of a sudden Miles swings in and kicks the dude that you're fighting and then you like give each other like a the pointer finger like thumbs up or something like that 
and he stays around and he fights some people with you and then you finish and then you go like wave bye to him and then he just hops off and swings away that's fucking awesome like it's so, so cool sweet. it's not quite the like co-op that i wanted the game to be of like hey you're two spider-men out on the town let's go fuck some shit up but it kind of feels that good because just that quick like he doesn't come join you every single time he'll just hop in on like a random hey i'm in the neighborhood let's let's take care of these guys and then i'm off to do my own thing it's just so cool and cleverly done and um i'm excited to to play more and you know really delve into it there seems to be three different tree skill trees so there's set like miles and peter have their own skill trees but then they have one combined skill tree where they both get the abilities off of it and that's um, cool oh that's sweet yeah i'm i'm excited to play with those and and you know figure out that's pretty like that's really cool because then you're not spending time like leveling one and then leveling the other and like going back you don't have to go back and forth like you can just level them together and then like if you want it's like it's like uh i'm gonna spec miles morales or i'm gonna spec peter parker like yeah two different specialties and then yeah yeah that's that's a really cool idea yeah i think i think they've implemented it pretty well i'm curious to kind of see because i think I don't really know that there's a whole lot of people that are like, I don't really want to play as Peter. I mostly want to play as Miles, but I'm sure there's people out there like that or vice versa where it's kind of like, oh, I'll just fill up their trees first and then I can work on the other ones. But it's kind it's just, of it's it's interesting from the mindset of like it, it, look at old school JRPGs where you've got a party of like three or four characters, but then you have like three or four other characters that are kind of in the bank, not gaining any levels. And then you've got to spend time grinding to get those three or four up to speed with your other three or four like if they just implemented a system like that across like the majority of RPGs where you've got a party wide set of like specs and upgrades and then you've got like individualized like specialties and things like that, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I think I think it's it's cool because even if you earn a skill point as Peter, that doesn't you can still put it into Miles's tree if you want. And that's great. Cool. Right. I think it's that is cool. A neat way to handle that. So excited to play more and and kind of come back and, and talk about it some more so we'll see how that goes and um i'm sure it's great from that's what i've been hearing from a lot of other people that have played a lot more than me uh and then the other big one that came out this friday because there's way too many fucking games coming out was super mario wonder there's a new mario game out and it is a mainline mario game and it's very good it's mario but they have and changed I it up a bit I think I heard it's like 30 hours long too. Maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of, which seems I mean, crazy for a Mario game. They do personally, they do put a lot of like the crazy thing is with most of the more recent Mario games is that like you beat the game about halfway into that 30 hours, but then there's another 15 hours of like, Hey, have you, do you want to play the hardest fucking Mario shit that you've ever played in your life? Right. Here, go collect these things that are impossible to get yeah, unless exactly. you can have the most perfect timing of jumps. For like, sure. That's yeah. and that's I assume this game is gonna be that way too. But this is another like side scrolling Mario game. The ways that they've changed it up, uh, you know, you still can get your fire flower, but there's a new power up that turns Mario into an elephant, which is kind of fun. Uh he can swing his trunk to fight things and then also he can like suck up water and um drop it on flowers because he's in the flower kingdom not the mushroom kingdom and the flowers will grow okay. and like affect the level and put coins out for you and shit like that 
He's and, moving to a different uh, drug family. Yes. Yeah. He's yeah. He's off of the psilocybin and on to the <laughs> indica. I don't know. Um, but the yeah. So he there's also these like crazy power ups that transform the level and they like make crazy shit start happening where like the pipes are all like moving up and down and you know it literally it's more like he's on LSD than ever before because he like literally the whole stage starts going crazy. There's one stage where like the um the chomping flower guys i don't uh, i don't can't remember what they're called but they started singing a song to me which was crazy it's <laughs> there's a lot of like voice acting for the first time in a mario game and and so far it's pretty good you know there's a big there's a big to do about charles martinet no longer doing the voice of mario starting with this game and i don't know that there's been a ton of mario speaking it's still very much just like the random Mario barks that you hear, but, uh, but every, and like everything else, there's little flowers in the kingdom that are actually saying words to you. Like, Oh, that was weird when you're done with one of those big power ups that changes the whole place. But, uh, it seems cool. The other cool thing about it is you can get badges, which is like you can equip Mario with an ability. So I have one badges? right now. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> badges. We don't need those stinking badges. Uh, um, <laughs> the one that I have right now, if you hold the R button, it will. He'll like use his his cap as like a sail that he can float down on more slowly. So you can kind of use it to control your landing a little bit. Um, there's other ones that make it so that you can jump upward from a wall rather than jumping off of the wall and that kind of changes the way you can traverse things a little bit so i'm interested to see more of those as well but so far pretty cool wish i had more time to play both of these games because they both seem very very good but yeah but that's all for what i've played other than cocoon which nick you have also played i have did you talk uh inside with us oh uh i'm sure at some point oh when it first came out yeah i'm trying to wonder like yeah okay well nick is nick is a big play dead fan which is the studio before uh the the gameplay designer from limbo and inside which are play dead games has gone on to found geometric interactive which is uh uh, and they are the people who who made Cocoon, and um, yeah, I don't want to like outright spoil a lot about the game. Yeah, but uh, as as a massive fan of previous Play Dead games, Nick, how did you find Cocoon? I uh, I think it's great. It um. I, going into it, I was a little, uh, little, maybe not concerned, but I just was curious how much it was going to feel like those old Play Dead games, and uh, I was pleasantly surprised that it feels, it feels fresh, but it also feels familiar. Mm-hmm. I guess if that makes any sense, like if you've played those first two, you'll you'll feel where uh, the DNA of this one comes from, but you won't miss out on anything. I don't think necessarily. Um, I, I did read some, it's interesting is I read some reviews for Cocoon that people, some people were complaining it was too hard. Hmm. And I remember thinking that it's, if you've played those other two games, you're kind of primed for the nature of a lot of the puzzles of Cocoon. 
I found all of them to be very elegant in the way that they unfold in front of you. But I think it's interesting to me, as somebody who plays a lot of puzzle games, maybe I'm a little bit... Yeah. It's my it's my type of shit, so my brain can enter that space really easily, right? I, I figured, yeah, that you would that you would kind of feel that way. I think a lot of the puzzles feel very, very similar to Limbo, almost more than Inside, but... Um... I, I mean, I speed ran parts of that game. Like <laughs> I would walk into a room and just look at the things in the room and just do it without yeah. even thinking about it because that's how, and I've played, I've played limbo and inside both multiple, multiple, multiple times over. Um, so it just kind of, I think there's something about his, his storytelling uh, nature through puzzles that just kind of carries through all those games. Um, but at any rate, I think Cocoon is really cool because it, it feels the most... The other two feel like they're kind of spiritual successors to each other. This one feels like it's kind of doing its own thing. Um, I texted Alex. I texted you briefly. I didn't want to talk too much about it, but I, I did say that I was... I think it's the most technically impressive mm. game of the three, but I think it's still my least favorite, but it's not bad. I mean... It's a 9.5 out of 10. Yeah. The other two are just, to me, like 9.8s and 10s. It hangs am uh, among other greatness. But yeah, so I guess in, in terms of just to set the stage a little bit, this is a game where you're using uh, a stick and a button, and that's it. There's one button, there's a stick. You're moving yep. around, and then you're interacting with things contextually. And, um, and number one, that's great. But also number two, kind of, one of the things that is the main conceit here is that you are going around these worlds that you can also hop out of uh, mm -hmm. and, and carry those worlds around and maybe carry worlds into one another to do certain things. And as you finish the bosses in these worlds, you unlock abilities with the, that, that these worlds allow you to do when you are in other worlds but holding the one that you unlocked the ability with. <laughs> so yeah. there's a lot of like hopping in and out of worlds and exchanging which world you have with you to do certain things and then kind of moving things around to uh, be able to, you know, hop back and forth to accomplish things not only in the world that you're in, but also the one above or things, things of that nature. And I think that's really the gameplay design is incredible. Like it's, there's certain stages in this game where the considerations that they make about how to kind of gate you, like there are certain ways where like, there are many times where you feel a gate come up behind you to me. And I usually find that a very threatening thing to me where I'm like, Oh, I can't go back there anymore. What if I miss something? Mm -hmm. But these puzzles are so considered that those gates only go up when you have everything you need to accomplish what's in front of you, which I find is, uh, you know, it might sound like a pretty trivial thing of like, well, of course they would just make sure you have everything you need before you go. But it's just the way that they kind of cordon off sections of these worlds while you're interacting with a specific puzzle to, to make sure you understand the pieces that are a part of that puzzle and the pieces that aren't a part of that puzzle, I think is just, it's a masterstroke. I don't, mm -hmm. 
I think it's it's like Valve level. It's Portal. It's be it's like within the realms it of is. Portal to me. It is a lot like Portal. Yeah. In it's terms like, of how the mechanics start to unfold and yes. how right when you think you've you've the game has presented all that is possible with the orbs, suddenly it pulls out a new mechanic and you go, "Oh, yeah." Shit. And uh and you realize that there you've been kind of building towards that mechanic without knowing it and then the game suddenly presents it to you and it's i mean there's no there's no dialogue there's no Mm -mm. the storytelling is purely visual and interactive uh it is it's funny it is a lot like portal i hadn't really thought too much about that um yeah and i think alex i I had kind of said this to you as well that it the first time i played limbo and the first time i played inside i remember my mind being blown kind of from the onset throughout, I just was like, wow, 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 wow. And this one, it took a while. And I remember thinking the whole time I was like, I'm enjoying this. It's very good. It's really lovely to look at. The music is cool. The sound is really cool. And then it hits a point in the game where suddenly I just, I like had to set the controller down. It just was like, yep. (laughs) Because. You're kind of like, oh, that's why they made this game. You know, I was like, here, here's what, I've been waiting for for yep. it to really kind of finally blow me away like that, and it and when it did hit, I just I was like, wow, this is this is now this took it to the level that I wanted it to be at, and uh, it made me want to play it again. Pretty, I have I have not had the time to go back to it, unfortunately, but mm-hmm. I once I was done, I I kind of started it over and I ran around for probably like ten minutes, and I was like, I'm not ready yet, like I thought I was, but it's <laughs> uh, it is great. I love um. One thing that is consistent with the Playdead games that I love is when you are when you're inching closer to solving something, the music subtly shifts. Oh, God, yes. And then you it's so it's so exciting because you realize I'm on the right track. Absolutely. And then once once you click, once you put that key in the in the lock and turn it, so to speak, and open the door, the music will or and the sound will do a complete kind of tonal shift. And it's just such a cool little simple thing that the other the other two games are uh they both do that as well. Yeah. And I remember the first couple times it hit in this one, I, I knew that I was onto something. And I was like, okay. And it's so cool how it, you know, you'll be trying to solve a puzzle and you're running around and you're doing stuff with orbs and you're just like scratching your head and then you pick one up and you, it's like the, it's almost like the console and the game are in tune with you because you start walking with intention to whatever you're going to do. And the music starts to change and you're like, Oh my God. It's <laughs> incredible. It's like really, I don't, really good. It, it, it is just a level of, sound design that uh, you know i think it's it's genius because it's not something that you can make happen in another medium it is that's exclusive to video games because like it's like you said the idea of like oh you might be hitting your head against the wall a little bit starting to try and figure something out but it is really that moment that things start to maybe click for you and that music swell lets you know that you're on the right track. It can't happen in movies, you know? The The music can swell with how cool the action's getting or with a realization or something like that, but it's never... It, it, it That doesn't mean it needs to be in tune with you as the viewer, but here in the, in the game yeah. world, it is absolutely on you to make that music swell happen, and it's genius. It's so cool it's cool because i think that they're they're i I personally i think they're a little more related um 
between like how music is is used in movies and TV, like a passive experience, because it is it's helping push your emotion and your um, in your understanding and uh, and absorption of the story the same way the video games are. It's just, yeah, you you are part of the storytelling mechanic in video games. It's active, but I feel like it's. Um, you know, good sound design and good music can can make or break the emotional experience of both of them. It can help push you in a right, you know, in the in the correct direction. Um, actually, it's funny because we started this episode talking about Mike Flanagan, and I texted or, or sent the Discord. I don't remember which one, but I said he uses sound design in such an effective way, in a way that I feel like he's really kind of head and shoulders above a lot of his peers. And it's like it's it's a lot like this because it's very subtle things that he'll do or he'll present a sound or a, like a musical motif or some sort of effect that you don't fully understand yet. And then when it, when things align and it clicks and it comes back around, you're like, Oh, that's what this has meant this whole time. And, um, I think this game is a lot like that too, where things are presented before you and you're kind of like, yeah, whatever. And then you kind of come back around and suddenly say, Oh, that's what that was driving towards. Yeah. There's Alex, you have to, you ha- just based on this talking point line, you have to go back and play limbo all the way through <laughs> because I told you the other day when we, we saw each other that the final puzzle of limbo is like the greatest. I say inside is my favorite of the three. Um, but the final, I think the final puzzle in limbo is like the finest, uh, kind of culmination of everything that the game is driving towards and the sound design and the music how they how they what they do in that final puzzle is just is there's a puzzle a lot like that in inside so you've played inside all the way through right yes yeah i don't remember much of it we talked about it on this podcast but oh, uh, shit, seven years ago or yes, something exactly um, so there's the one puzzle in inside when you are you're in the little submarine and you wash up on the beach and then there's the whole puzzle where there's all the bodies and you wear the hat and the bodies you control the bodies and eventually you get them all together. Yeah. It's that actually, that might be the best puzzle of all three <laughs> games. I can't, I can't do this, but anyway, while you're doing that puzzle, you're navigating three floors of like this abandoned warehouse area. And you're collecting these, like these, like uh putty guys. They're not really bodies. They're just like dudes. Um, but while, when you get close to certain areas in that puzzle, the, you see like a very rhythmic, like once every, six seconds like almost like a shaking noise like a boom and you see like a little bit of dust falling and you hear it and it's really really subtle and you're like so it's this very like almost like a swelling noise and the like a thunder crash and it's going on in the background and you don't really pay too much attention because if you've played limbo as well you know that these games often revolve around like machinery just like around yeah they're very like industrial which whereas cocoon isn't which is cool um but then when you finish that puzzle and you move to the next area, you realize that sound has just been like persistent, like almost like artillery strikes hitting. And the next puzzle, you have to use that sound to time your moves because your guy is running and there's like things of shelter. Mm. And remember, those big shock waves keep coming through. Yeah. And you have to run and time it. So you're behind the cover and then the shock wave comes through because if you're exposed, it like obliterates you. Yeah. And so you use the sounds to time your movement with the puzzles. And sometimes it's literally like you leap and you're in the air and then you <laughs> cross behind cover when the shockwave comes through. And it's anyway, that 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 
idea of using sound as part of like the the storytelling and puzzle and experiences game design. yeah absolutely. yeah it's it's unbelievable it's the coolest shit ever uh and that's why i'm so dismayed that they make a game once every <laughs> he i guess what's his name yepa yepa carlson or something like that yeah i think you're correct I don't, there. I don't know how to pronounce it but if you is any indicator our friend you uh <laughs> i think it's yepa um or yepi something like that <clears throat> anyway he um yeah, I want. He said Cocoon took six years to make, and I just that I love that, but it just makes me so sad that the well, next the, time he comes out with a game, I'll probably be, I'll will be solidly into my forties. I mean, by Starfield standards, like that's pretty short. <laughs> well, the scales yeah, here are so pretty very different, different scope. Yeah. No, I think the the well, the cool thing is is that now that Geometric Interactive exists, and now that um. Play Dead is obviously still around, and there's mm-hmm. also that other, uh, pr- the other co-founder of Play Dead that broke off to make Somerville. Yeah, you he might made that. Yeah, you, you might have. Kind Which of I that, need to get that. Yeah, you I might have, have that, that cadence that. a little bit more often than six years at least. So that's kind of cool that there's like it is true, and they might yeah. take it into different directions. Some which you might appreciate, and others you might not. But I'm curious to see. You know. I know that Play Dead 3, whatever the third game is going to be, is like my most anticipated game of this console generation, if it comes out even for this console. I mean, that that I don't pre-order games anymore. I haven't pre-ordered a game since... I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I literally can't... I don't know. I don't know. 19 Dickity uh, 2. Who even knows? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, I will, be, I will be pre-ordering that game. And I will I will play it Hopefully the day it comes out. But and um we both love Cocoon. It is mm-hmm. on Xbox Game Pass. It's also available on Switch, PlayStation 4 and 5, PC, uh Xbox One and Xbox Series. John, I think you should play it. I played about ten minutes of it. Oh man. Uh and the only reason I didn't play more, there's a couple reasons. You I could play played. that on your Steam Deck, no sweat. <laughs> one one of the reasons I didn't play more of it was because it, I downloaded it on a Friday and I was incredibly tired and I ended up falling asleep while playing it. Mm. Yeah, it's um, pretty soothing mo- a lot of yeah, the time. Yeah, I, I mean like, it's it's yeah, it's very calming for sure, soothing. Um but also it, like I when it comes to puzzle games with me, like something needs to click pretty early on to really grab me and i was going to bring up the game maquette which we talked about when the ps5 dropped and if you haven't played maquette nick you totally should um because that game something I, i i think it's just the idea of like if you're not familiar there you you have like an over like you are it's first person puzzle game there is a model how do you spell it m a q e yeah m-a-q-u-e-t-t-e maquette maquette um i'm gonna add it to my my wish list on playstation essentially like there's it's a first person puzzle game you there's a smaller version of the world that you are currently in that's a model that you can manipulate in order to manipulate the world that you're in and it scales i remember seeing down i remember seeing a preview for this it is years, years ago an incredibly awesome puzzle game for someone who, again, the mechanics need to click almost instantly with me for me to really sink my teeth into it. <clears throat> Maquette did that. 
And I will also say that part of Maquette that grabbed me and made me want to play more was the story because it actually has a story Mm. and the music that they have involved in that game. Again, music being a huge part of my life in general and something that you described these games is having like sound being cues into the, some of the puzzles and things like that. Maquette doesn't necessarily have sound cues into the puzzles, but I do think the music is incredibly, it does an incredibly good job of conveying what's going on with the story and like how you're feeling when you're playing the puzzles and things. And I just really, I really enjoyed that game uh, enough to where I tried to seek out some of the music from it and was having difficulty finding the a, a particular song, probably the most notable song in the whole game. Uh, and I still don't know what it's called or who, who plays it. Cause it, it was very confusing in the credits to figure out. But anyways, <laughs> um, I, I do intend on going back and playing cocoon, especially considering that it's what five hours long or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure if I give it a little more time when I have a little more energy, it'll, it'll find its place. Um, that's the thing. And, and it's, I, it's and only... I, I do need to go back and play Inside and Limbo as well, too, So, which I think both are on Game Pass. Have you I not played so. those before? I have not. I would be shocked if you don't own them somewhere on, <laughs> like, Steam, too. Like I probably do. Or, I probably own them on Xbox. Epic, on Epic Game some, Store I, or something. Yeah. I think I... Actually, I think I have Inside on PlayStation and Limbo. Again, Limbo's on Game Pass, but I think I also have Limbo from Xbox Games for Gold, like way back when. Mm. Yep. So. Yep. Yep. I have I have both of those games. I think on three different platforms. You can get them on your phone. It's crazy. And I yeah. would not want to play that on a phone. I was gonna say, yeah. I like Cocoon enough at this point that I I think if there were like some sort of limited run game physical copy of it, I would probably pick it up as like a. Well, that's the thing is that that game has such a beautiful art style. I can't imagine them not doing a limited run of some sort. Like, I feel like that's right up the alley of yeah. that sort of indie game to have to, for limited run to approach them and be like, hey, let us let us do a version. Like, let us kind of a do a version too, of this out. Like, so. I think it's doing pretty, pretty damn good. Yeah. And it, it's it was published by Annapurna. And actually, I have this nice like Annapurna by I am 8-bit. It, it has Donut County, Gorgoa, Kentucky Route Zero, Outer Wilds, Sayonara Wild, Wild Hearts, uh, Telling cool. Lies, Wadham, and What Remains of Edith Finch. And it's like, I, I bought this alone for Outer Wilds on like a physical form because that game is so fucking good. But uh, yeah, I, I, wouldn't I would be buy surprised. A, I would buy a, a physical copy of Cocoon. John, I think if you... um. If they, I think if you play it even probably to the 30 minute mark, uh, I think the mechanics will, it will click. It will start to come together for you, especially yeah. the first, the first time you solve one of the little recurring puzzles where you get this little helper dude. Uh, Alex, yeah, Alex is nodding. Uh, if you haven't done that already, that is so satisfying and sound is a, is a factor in those, uh, yeah, but if you think honestly, if you think of it like, uh, you like, do you like Inception? Yeah, the movie Inception. Yep. It it starts to kind of almost take on an identity like that as you as you play it, where you're starting to have to keep track of where you are in yeah with in, which, in, which layer of Inception you are currently in, and and what that layer signifies in terms of what are your abilities while you're in that layer. 
Yeah. And what you, you got to kind of adjust your headspace quickly. And you got to also kind of keep track of where you came from, too, and where you came from before that and <laughs> where where all your shit is. It's it. Like I said, I was having no problem with it. And I'm not going to at all claim to be the smartest guy or the best gamer or an intuitive puzzle gamer, because I'm really not. I'm kind of dumb with puzzle games like they don't really you got to you got to you got to find a way for me to get it. But I was I was blitzing through it and I was like, yeah, this is great. This is cool. This is fun. It's no problem. And then it hit a point where I was like, wait a minute. I came from. Wait, I can't. I, was, I think I was over there. <laughs> yeah. But how did I get here? And suddenly I was like lost in the woods on it. But it, you just keep forging ahead and you realize the game is, is helping you. But yeah, along and the then, way, you just and don't then you know hear it. the music cue come in because you're like, oh, you crossed the threshold with this orb. And now that means now, you know, oh, fuck, I'm I this is I needed this. And now I can go do the thing. It's, yeah. Oh, I it's get like goosebumps playing, just uh, thinking about it. It's like playing Mark, Marco Polo or something and you're getting closer and closer. You don't know it until you uh, until you're suddenly there and then you're like, ah. And yeah, there was there were a few times throughout the game where I wanted to look something up because I just wanted. I mean, we're all at that stage of life now where I just was like, I need to be done you, for you the gotta night. Keep moving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've only got five minutes left to play and I just want to do this. But I, I restrained myself and every time it was so worth it because I was like, I just I know I'm close. And then when it would click, there was one somewhere about three quarters of the way through the game that was such a bitch. And I was like. I was hung up on it and I just kept circling around and coming back. And I, I but then I realized I'm like, there's something I'm not thinking of. And it's probably really obvious. And of course, as soon as it clicked, I was like, are you kidding me? I wasted like 10 minutes running around like an idiot. And the answer was right there, which is perfect. That's exactly what you want. It's uh, it's very cool. I, I like it a lot. I think everybody should pick it up. It's it's relatively cheap. It's definitely worth uh, worth it. It's uh, it's a lot of fun for sure. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's so clever. Totally agree. Uh, Nick, is there anything else you wanted to you wanted to touch on? I don't really have anything else prepared for this episode. There was the big Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal has closed, but <clears throat> other than that. I'm um I'm excited because I my my kids now, my younger one is old enough that uh, my energy levels are starting to come back to a place where I'm not necessarily just surviving uh, anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's that's good. So now I have a little more ec- extra energy to kind of dig back into my gaming backlog a little bit. And um, I'm going to be starting to cross some things off off my list that I've been sitting on for a while. Either I downloaded a long time ago or I um, and a lot of these are going to be kind of indie ish type things because I'm not really there's nothing much AAA these days that really grabs me. And I think part of it is that I look at every game coming out and I go. That's a 65 hour commitment. Okay. That's uh, 110 <laughs> hours. Great. As much as I want to play them. I mean, shit, I, if I'm going to play a big game right now, I want to finish death stranding. Cause I never did. And I want to finish outer worlds. Cause I really liked that. And then I just kind of walked away one day, but I was having a lot of fun with that. I love to play Starfield, but I'm just not there uh, yet. I want to finish. I want to play Sable. Sable is a game that, I followed the development, much like Cocoon, actually, I followed the development of it for a long time and it came out and I do have it and I would like to play that. Uh, and anybody who knows is probably wondering why I have not mentioned in the Discord yet the new Hellboy game, mm. but I have not played it yet, but I will be playing that and I've heard mixed things, but I think I will like it. Uh, 
And we'll see. That's so I'll play that and I'll web of weird or word? Weird. I think it is weird, not okay. word. Um Yeah, web of weird. It's uh the I think it's actually maybe the final performance of Lance Reddick. He's the voice of Hellboy. I think it might be his last credit. Hmm. But I don't know for sure. Um at any rate, I think that's kind of an interesting choice. I hope I like it, but we'll see. Um it looks like a cool game. And uh I'll report back on that one. And uh I gotta play Tron Identity. Yeah. Yeah, I got yeah, that one do. sitting there. I'll play that one. Uh, I probably should look into getting a Steam Deck because I think a lot of the games I want to play are pretty conducive to that, even though I'm not like a huge handheld guy. But um, I think that a lot of the stuff I want to play, it could be achieved with that pretty easily. Um, but in terms of things that I'm actively playing, I I uh, started, I played a little bit of Ghost Recon Breakpoint again the other day for some reason just keeps pulling you back the itch the itch arose and i was like gotta scratch it so i uh i reinstalled that and that game is just really hard if you're playing by yourself it is incredible i, I think it's incredibly punishing because i liked playing it when it came out and it was gear score based i liked playing it by myself without without ai squad mates because i thought that was kind of cool i liked the kind of lone wolf uh vibe but now i just think it's straight up impossible without some helpers because if you played wildlands which i think was such a great game if you if you missed a shot or the guys at the base you were at kind of caught wind of you you could adjust like tactically you could reposition yourself but because you're fighting against humans and in breakpoint it's like an island full of drones with a bunch of soldiers in between so the other day when i was playing i, I was like trying to snipe this guy just to work my way into a base and I, I plinked it off his helmet and he didn't go down and so then i had to finish and like nine flying drones just and just converged on me and i, and I just died and i was like what am i supposed to do in this game <laughs> like yeah. if you're supposed to be stealthy but if you if you miss something there's no opportunity to, to move to a different cover place or or fall back a bit and then come from another angle like you kind of could in, in Wildlands. And I think without AI teammates to just pick off, help you pick off a bunch of the uh, the assailants coming at you, it's just like it's borderline impossible, which is such a shame because like technically that game is so cool. Like it feels great. It looks great. It sounds great. The weapon selection is cool. The systems are good. I feel like gameplay wise, it feels like such an improvement over Wildlands. Like it feels good to play it, but then you actually start playing it and you just get punished and uh, that stinks. So I guess I'm going to have to, if I want to keep playing it, which I still kind of do, I think I got to turn on the AI teammates and uh, have them there kind of helping me out. But so much potential with that game. And I feel like uh, a lot of the Tom Clancy Ubisoft stuff feels like it's kind of flopping a little bit. And it just kind of bums me out, like goes because Wildlands was such a hit, and then Breakpoint came out, and everybody kind of collectively just let out like a big sigh. <laughs> and I feel like they're never going to make any more Ghost Recon games. And I've been playing Ghost Recon games since like 2001 or something. So I just I want I want them to continue to be a thing. Well, they so. Ubisoft's weird because they kind of like they they for a minute they were all like, oh yeah, we're gonna put NFTs in our shit or whatever, and that. Like that, that came post Breakpoint, and 
those two things in conjunction with each other kind of like lost a lot of the goodwill. Like it kind of just disappeared from that. And then, yeah. um, like, I don't think Far Cry 6 did nearly as good as they were hoping it would. People and are tired then, of that too. And well, well and then it's everybody was tired. Six. Yeah. And everybody got tired of Assassin's Creed too. <laughs> and so they kind of walked back the entire series like they took away a lot of the stuff people liked from the newer games to make it seem like one of the older games, but it like was the wrong mix of things, you know, like I think they're like, they're in a position where they need to really like, um, they, they, they just got to like narrow their focus. I think I feel like yeah. they've spread themselves very thin and just released a lot of the same. They just kind of saturated the market with these very similar games. Well, guess yeah, I what? mean, they made a. They were printing money for a while there, from like the mid two thousands to like probably, I don't know, a good ten, almost fifteen yeah. years streak with well, coming like, out with a new Assassin's Creed every year, and people were just lapping up the the slop, like just as, loving as, it. As far as I can tell, like they were they were going to end work on the Division Two like last year or two years ago. God. There's another one. But there's there's so many people still playing the division two that they decided to just keep kicking out seasonal content. That's cool. So that game's that game's still moving and like they're expanding on the story like more and more with it. And then they've got like the they've got the mobile game version coming out, Heartland or whatever. And I like I think they're working on additional division games, which I think personally, I think the division would be really cool to like keep going through that world from different areas of the country or the world in general to just see like how it, how it affected these different areas. Like, I just think that'd be super cool. Like I'd love for them to do like a division in Detroit. Like that would be badass, you know? Um, and just the very small map. <laughs> yeah. It's mostly just like, like Campus urban marshes. farm farmland or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The division <clears throat> ham tramming heart, heart plaza. All right. <laughs> But it would it would just Kobo. be Kobo would be a good level. <laughs> well, maybe maybe it's like Detroit and uh, and Windsor or something like that. You know, like tie the bridge in there somehow. Oh, that, like, now that would be cool. Yeah. But yeah, like I just I feel like the division has a lot of potential still. But I I think in general, like they, I I mean, if you really break it down, the division is the least like all of those other games. Whereas oh, like. Yeah. The rest of them are all like climb a tower, unlock map, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, like fetch quest, this and that, whatever. The division has more going on in it than than those other sorts of games. But um, besides the point, they, they just they spread themselves really thin with a lot of their their games and stuff. So I, I feel like they just need to regain focus and figure out like what they're doing and maybe just like narrow down their their franchises a little bit you know <laughs> like which well, maybe that's keep, keep maybe, all the franchises alive but just make one entry every three years, years or something let's not, not one yeah. game a year let's not it right we don't need 12 <laughs> different fucking assassin's creed games announced at once like just focus on one thing and let it happen and i, I you know i don't it's interesting with them. They have like the next big things that they have coming are the Avatar game that seems like a reskin of Far Cry, and then the Star Wars uh, smuggler game, Star Wars Outlaws. And so mm. I think like 
I don't know. It's it's strange. It, it it feels like they're hitting a little bit of the like fatigue that I think also Activision was as well. And supposedly Sony's out there looking to make a big acquisition. I would not, you know, like a bit a big acquisition, which Activision was big and Ubisoft would also be big, but they have the stable of content, like you guys are saying, that I think could be mind well in the hands of a good steward you know and so who knows yeah i think there's a lot of life left in those ips you just kind of maybe think it through and don't just like sign off on a i it's like it's like the meme i like picture rewind back to when assassin creed came out and someone walks into the room with a chalkboard and adds the s on the end with a money <laughs> sign just like we'll, we'll yeah. make one of these we'll make eight different studios work on these all at the same time. We'll pick every single time period. And I mean, if they, if they, and obviously I'm just speaking kind of for myself here, but if they made another ghost recon and just kind of made it a little more like wildlands where it was not so confusing to navigate the menu, even just trying to find a mission in that game. I still don't get it. That game came out four years ago and I still look at it and go, Yes, it's there's but, so much of that game that felt inscrutable in that way of like how so do hard I to just digest what yeah. is on the screen and and I think yeah and Wildlands yeah. was so straightforward and easy to just jump in and like I mean me and Gojo sold so many people on that game because we're like oh it's so much fun you just roll around with four people and cause mayhem and then you can do some story stuff if you want but it just felt that world felt so good the enemies felt great it just like it just worked on every level take that same approach and just put it into a different location and you're kind of in good shape. Cause that's not that franchise. I don't think is exhausted yet in the same way, like Assassin's Creed is. And I think, well, I think Far Cry could point. even come back if you With, just kind of pare it down a little. Cause six, I like Far Cry six a lot. Uh, well, that's I'm So a, they, they've got, they've got that, um, the avatar game coming out, which is basically Far Cry with blue people. Mm-hmm. And, maybe they're like I'm, I'm assuming that's why they shifted they, they put out a bunch of beat mediocre games was because all the good people were working on the avatar game because that <laughs> one they can't fail on i mean that's that is like a a huge license to get a hold of and they kind of need to come through for james cameron like um but on top of that i was gonna say like with assassin's creed i always have felt that they went the wrong direction with assassin's creed like assassin's creed started like you know in the crusades or whatever and then kind of worked its way up through like the renaissance and then went way back in time and shit they should have just kept moving into the future like it should have all caught up to desmond and you were like in modern day as an assassin desmond like fucking up people in like chicago or new york or something i thought they were going to tie it into watchdogs Watchdogs, like it seemed like, like a logical that's what way it, to take it. That's what it felt like they were going to do is like, oh, the assassins now are using all of this technology to their advantage and like hacking computers and cell phones and shit. And like, I thought that's where it was going to go, but it never did. It, they just like they went headfirst into like historical content, which is cool. Like, don't get me wrong. As somebody who's who considers themselves a slight history buff, that shit's sweet. Like, don't get me wrong. That's cool as fuck to see all that and be able to explore the pyramids and all that shit. I love that. But they went the complete opposite way. I thought they were going to go with that entire series. And I think they still have an opportunity that they could do that. They just, they got to, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't, I haven't played through all of two or three, 
or Black Flag for that matter. I don't even remember where any of them those shits like leave off with Desmond necessarily, but he was a cool three three protagonist. Is, three is like the last game that Desmond was a character in. Yeah, like but. that was cool to see him like tracing his bloodline of assassins in his family. But then they totally were just like, ah, fuck it. Let's go, let's go back to Egypt. <laughs> let's check out these pyramids and shit. The thing and the like, thing I will say that's interesting about Mirage, which is the one that came out a couple weeks ago that John and I didn't even realize was coming out because <laughs> we released uh, yeah, an episode I was going like, to mention, right like, they, dro- they dropped a game and nobody even fucking cared. Like, so it's, it's a $50 title instead of 70 like everything is and the interesting thing is is that it's scoped much more like the first assassin's creed where it's like it is an yeah. open world game but it's not huge like fucking Valhalla like free Rome. and odyssey and origins all were and so i think they are learning that parrot down lesson a little bit more of like hey what if we do if we're going to keep doing frequent releases, what if we do them smaller? And I think that's maybe the right lesson to learn, not only from like a sustainability standpoint for like their workforce, but also in terms of like, hey, if we give people smaller tastes every once in a while, maybe they'll want to play it every year instead of like, here's 200 hours of fucking skinning, I don't know, deer and squirrels to make a fucking wallet. Like, Let's let's draw it down a little bit and focus and make something that's like a quality product rather than like, hey, let me see how I can make a, a car climb a tower in this racing game, but it's built on the Far Cry engine or however that worked in the grid or whatever the fuck it was called. So, I you know, I don't know. I think it, it, I'm hoping they're turning a page and I think they need to turn a page, but we'll see how it how it all plays out from here. Cause I think, you know, I think that, uh, with far cry, I think my, two of my favorite far cry gameplay instances were blood dragon and new dawn, because they took kind of an existing far cry idea and then built something new and different out of it. And obviously those are kind of tinged with a lot of, uh, interests that, that check a lot of boxes for me. Um, in terms of gameplay and like the design and stuff like that, but they were so refreshing because they felt if you liked Far Cry, which I did and I do, they they had <clears throat> excuse me had a lot of those same mechanics in that, but then took it into a into a way different place story wise and uh, and I think that that really succeeded because it, it it did just that it kind of broke the mold and it felt familiar, but. Um, they took it into an interesting direction and I think they can do more stuff like that. And honestly, if they, if they get, if they broker a deal, get some star Wars license going, you make that, you make that star Wars Republic commando rainbow six siege game. Oh, and I am, I am dropping the 70 or like that bucks fucking, on that thing. Where's the GI Joe rainbow six crossover. Like it's so that it's just right there. Just fucking do it. Do even it. a uh, massage. Yeah, get the even. dude who made the fucking PSAs <laughs> to make some By cinematics. Machine, go. Oh. Well, what was so cool? They um, with Far Cry Five, they had a an entire aspect of that game called Far Cry Arcade. Yeah, and it was just it was just user created people shit. making weird shit, right? And dude, it was so good. Yeah. I mean, like legitimately, people made some really compelling missions out of it and i i got i obviously it's well documented how much i love far cry 5 
But I told Gojo, I was like, you got to check out some of this Far Cry arcade content with me. And so he and I jumped and played a co-op and a bunch of it. And it was just so he was like, this is in- insanely impressive. And I was like, yeah, I know people, these users are just going nuts with what they have at their fingertips. And I mean, going back as far as um, Far Cry instincts, I think on OG Xbox, uh, that had the map editor. I mean, that went you could make multiplayer maps in that game. And Gojo and I made some weird shit and it was really fun. And you had so much flexibility. They really cracked that code a long time ago. So I'm kind of like put continue to put those tools in the hands of your your uh your your audience Fans, yeah yeah i, I mean, mean if was... i could get like a star wars licensed like version of ghost recon even like give me a 20 hour long 15 hour long chapter where i'm playing as like a stormtrooper or a rebel on endor going through with a squad i mean yeah here you go yeah here you go here's yeah. my money take my money it could be short too like i, I mean all the uh <laughs> Alex, I heard you use the term boomer shooters the other day. <laughs> and I don't know if you're talking about the generation of boomers, if that's where the term comes from, because it's, it's like... Well, it's that's it's taking that, <laughs> but it's it's really just the, like, these are the olden, the olden style of shooters, like a Doom and a Wolfenstein, mm-hmm. that, that, that has been well, taken that... to be called a boomer shooter, because it's not aiming down sights, it's not perks, it's not, you know... Uh, all these bespoke different guns. It's like you get nine fucking guns. You might not be able to look up and down and you're going to go shoot shit. Right. That's what we're doing here. So that's, yeah, that's I think that the millennial, shooter. the millennial game needs to be something that has a lot of these aspects that we're all talking about that we love, but that can be done in a enough time that we can still mow the lawn and play with our kids. And, uh, or at least have that option. Yeah. Keep that in, in mind because that's the kind of stuff. I mean, Oh my God, I, I played and beat an entire game in like two days with Cocoon, and I was like, "Wow, I played a game, right? <laughs> Sweet." <laughs> and and, and I, I I fall victim to the exact same. I have the same affliction that John does, where if there's a character customization which I love, <laughs> oh, it's it's dumb how much time I'll spend in that just yeah. because it's so much fun, and I love it. But it's also the thing that's keeping me away from getting back into cyberpunk uh, because I know I'll just. I'll start over because the game's been reworked and I'll be like, okay, cool. I got to make another guy. That's inevitably going to be the same as the other ones I've made, but I still got to work with, on them for an but, hour. But with a longer penis, right? <laughs> <laughs> or like different colored eyes, like weird yeah, robot yeah. eyes or something. Yeah. I, anyway. I think even just getting away from the $70 price point would be yeah, it's crazy. A, a good way to go for things. Cause it's, that's just a lot of money and yeah. You know, it is. And it's, I mean, because if, but if you, if someone's going to make the argument like, oh, okay, it's $70, but you can get 200 hours of entertainment out of it. It's like, well, sure. That's value. I suppose if you have that much time, but you don't have that much time to, to spare. It just yep. doesn't, doesn't work that way anymore. Yeah. So for sure. It's why I keep going back to like Skyrim's dumb as it sounds, because it has so much to offer and I could do it in little bite-sized pieces. Cause I'm familiar enough with it that I'm like, okay, I know that I can do a couple storyline things i could play for half hour 60 minutes and i can get uh, i'll feel satisfied with that well and you spent that 60 dollars 15 years ago at this point so it's you know you're good <laughs> it was only 12 yeah. years i guess but 
I don't know how many consoles I have that game on at this point or how many different platforms. It's crazy. <laughs> too many. Too yeah. many. I mean, hey, it's it's one of the greatest for a reason. You go back to it. It's like GTA five. Crazy. Yeah, that fucking Todd Howard quote. When are we gonna stop making Skyrim? When you stop <laughs> buying it. <laughs> yeah. That's true. It's like a Roderick Usher quote at this point. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Well, well, this has been an episode of the Midwest Dad Nerds podcast. Yeah, <laughs> old old guys yell at cloud. Uh, <laughs> yeah, cloud storage, cloud gaming, both. Uh, yeah, cloud I don't storage. know if we'll do a, a side quest this week, but maybe maybe John, if you can finish Usher, we can the three of us can. You know, if after you've listened to all of Usher's discography and then you watch The Fall of the House of Usher on Netflix, yes, yes, of course, we can come back. <laughs> next I'm just going to listen to Burn on repeat. I mean, that's <laughs> that's really the only song you need. Uh, maybe, maybe we can we can record that next week because it's getting a little late as an old man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, finish it up, and uh, I'd love to come talk with you guys about it. Absolutely. Maybe I'll watch the Midnight Midnight Club between now and then too because that's the one i have not seen it kind of that's i actually haven't watched that either because i forgot it even came out like it kind of it snuck in there in a time where i didn't have time to watch it it came out uh, so soon after midnight mass it was the next year i think which is weird usually there's been i think a two-year pause typically and it came out so fast that i was kind of like well and and also like i watched midnight mass and then was like i need to watch everything this guy's done and then i went back and watched hill house and um blind man or whatever Mm -hmm. back to back like week one week was midnight mass the next week was hill house the next week was blind man and i'm like okay i think that is emotionally devastating yeah i was i was like i think i can take off the diapers now like myself some dark days man from shitting my pants with fear and like yeah and i can throw away all the tissues from all the crying i did and uh Mm -hmm. yeah it was that was so like then midnight club dropped and i was like i i forgot all about it. i didn't even know it would like it just kind of snuck in there out of nowhere and i was like i don't even know what this is like so yeah i but, I, I will say midnight club is is probably the lowest on the list of his netflix work to me but uh you know we can talk about that on on again flan again <laughs> try it again float that balloon put it out there i don't know I think we can come up with something better than Probably. that. Probably. I don't know. I'm trying to make it as <laughs> dumb as you talking you two to me. <laughs> that's what I'm aiming for. If that's, if that's the assignment, that's, we can do something with that. That's the gold standard for me in terms of podcast names. Is you talk, although the R-E-M, Are You Talking yes. R-E-M Re-Me is It fucking... actually takes it a step dumber. Yeah. <laughs> it's, really, it's really good. Beautiful. Uh, anyways... Uh, well, wanna... I, I, let me. Sorry, uh, you spraying yeah. Springsteen on my bean is also incredible <laughs> in a different way. So it's yeah, they just keep hitting. You could make a uh, companion to the Flanagan show where we have a someone prepares a flan recipe and we have flan again <laughs> while we watch Flanagan. <laughs> I like it. I shouldn't like have it. even said it out loud. Oh my this, this god! This is now. This is definitely a dad. A dad cast. <laughs> All right. uh, yeah, if you uh, want to find all the places you can listen to the show, check out MidwestGameNerds.com slash links, the podcast network. Midwest Podcast Network has a Patreon. The Patreon supports all the shows on our network. You could subscribe for as little as $1 a month and help keep our shows alive and well. For some reason, I have a hard time saying $1. Uh, I said it right there. 
check it out at mpn.bz slash Patreon. Thanks again to JCK, Tom Z, David O, and Corey Z for the contributions. One of the perks to join the Patreon is to get early access to our bonus episodes that we call Side Quest. As you just heard, we will likely do a side quest about the fall of the House of Usher. If you're not watching it, you should watch it before we post the side quest so that you can email us all of the wrong notes that we made in the process <laughs> and uh, tell us your thoughts about uh, how awesome Mike Flanagan is. Um, but yeah, be sure to check that out. As always, we do appreciate your feedback, which you can send to MidwestGameNerds at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher. And uh, yeah, Nick, thank you again for joining us on this episode since Brian has basically all but quit the show. <laughs> at this point uh but not really he's got to get those destiny hours in it's true it's not even, he, he claims it's work but we all know it's forza so or something <laughs> along those lines uh but yeah thank you for joining us we really yeah thanks for having it. me i appreciate it and, always uh, fun yeah we'll, we'll have you back again for uh on again flanagan the uh back again flanagan back again flanagan Flan- I, yeah whatever that one so anyways thanks everybody we'll see you next time peace